my name is Carmen Lopez. Today is November 9th, 2016, and I am here with Miss Sanya Nesmith for the Our Streets, Our Stories oral history project focused on the justice system. So, Miss Nesmith, could you tell us about your story related to the justice system? Well, actually, I think it started uh, at birth for my son because really what happened is when he was born, um, he had holes in his heart and he had to be, he had to have surgery, open heart surgery at six months of age. And what happened is I found out many years later that that surgery left him deaf in one ear and his right side was kind of atrophied. And... Um, I didn't really find out that he was deaf in that year until he was about eight years old because when he was six years old, they suspected it in school when they gave him a hearing test. But then when I took him to the uh, ear doctor, um, they thought it was something in his ear, so they cleaned it out. And so I really didn't find out he was deaf in that ear until he was um, about eight years old. But I think it caused him a lot of problems socially uh, by that operation causing that uh, to happen to him because he had trouble communicating. And so then he um, really sought out friends, but when he was in daycare, he also had a gastrostomy tube that he had to use because when he was in the hospital, he stopped eating um, and they wanted to feed him that way. And he ended up not being able to eat normally at that age. And he didn't get it removed until he was ready for um, daycare at about four years old. And that's when he had social problems because with the gastrostomy tube, it, it caused social problems for him. They knew something was wrong. And then I didn't know at that time that he wasn't hearing well. So then at kindergarten, he had some troubles um, and I kept him home from kindergarten after that. And what then, kind of well, he had social problems. He was getting into trouble there at school and things like that. And since since kindergarten wasn't mandatory, I, I took him out of kindergarten and kept him home for that year. And I took him to a school I knew the people, but then he acted out a lot. And he ended up um, being put into special ed classes. So it started from there. And um, when he became a teenager, uh, he wasn't going, he stopped going to school and I didn't know where he was many times. So I had to end up putting him in a, in a group home. So he got in a group home and then he was there. He graduated from another group home uh, just June of 2014. Then one morning when I was getting ready for work. How old is he right now? He's 20. Then one morning when I was getting ready for work, my other son said to me, Mom, the police are here for, for Michael. So I came out and they said, oh, he's just warranted for court. He didn't go to court. He was supposed to go and he didn't go. He'll probably be back uh, by 12 o'clock. But it ended up that he, didn't, he was there for two years. So... Um, you didn't see him in those two years? Oh, yeah. I went to visit him after about three months because I was afraid to go to the prison at first because my daughter told me there are dogs there and I'm, I'm kind of afraid of dogs and, and things like that. And he, when I spoke to him on the phone, he didn't really want me to come. I thought he'd be home soon. So after a few months, after a couple of months, I knew that he was, was going to be there for a while. So I started to go visit him. And um, he was changed from place to place at the facility. Um, but 
overall, it might have been the best thing for him because he had gotten into quite a bit of, I think he had gotten into some kind of gang or something. And, it, and I don't know. But anyway, um, when I... His story. Hmm? You don't know his story. You haven't thought about what happened to him. While he was in the, um, in the prison? Well, he, he wasn't very honest with me because he has a secret life, obviously, because I had to put him into group homes because he wouldn't come home at night and things like that. So after a while, uh, the first group home was St. John's in, um, in Queens, and he was having troubles there, and they were planning to throw him out because I wanted him at Children's Village from the start because a parole officer had told me about, not a probation officer, because he had gotten into some trouble. And she said, oh, maybe you should send him here. That's a very nice one. But they sent him, they wanted, he ended up at Children's, um, at St. John's, and he ended up at Children's Village after they were going to send him somewhere else. And it was a very nice experience at um, Children's Village for him because he graduated from high school. They helped him out a lot with that. But then when he came home in June, he was only there until... October before the police came for him. And then I had to start visiting him at uh, Rikers Island. Yeah. And how was your experience of visiting him? Well, they, they required certain clothing, certain colors he couldn't wear. Uh, I had to take him like, all I could end up taking him was underwear actually. Uh, so I would take him socks, boxer shorts, which he liked, and, and t-shirts. That's about all I could take for him, except for I would take him books and newspapers. And the correction officers there, they were impressive. They were pretty nice. Most of them were minority people. They were uh, either uh, black people or they were, some of them were Hispanic and some of them were um, Asian and things like that. And they were very nice. One Indian guy too. And they seemed to be very nice young men and women, and I respected them, and I, and I was glad they seemed to treat him well, but um, I, he had issues in there, and he didn't get along with people sometimes, and he had went into the box several times where he was isolated, and he couldn't get commissary, because that's something else I used to have to take, give him money, you know, to eat food because he didn't like the prison food a lot of times and he so that got to be pretty expensive he, they were I think they would shop maybe once every two weeks or something and so he would want like 50 to 100 dollars to shop for food yeah and it, the food was you know I don't know exactly what they had but he would say they would have tuna fish like in bags or sardines in bags and you know because they couldn't have cans or anything like that and so at least I knew he was he was safe without he was safe from some violence, but he did get in fights there. And finally, uh, he, his tooth was broken while he was in there. So, but other than that, you know, he you know he seemed to he he he, he was okay. And as a, as a mother, uh, how do you approach this situation? How do you support him? How do I support him? In what way? You mean emotionally? I don't know. Well, I try to um, guide him. Like, Mr. Nicholas has been very nice. You know, I was happy that someone called that he could come, and he showed him around the library and things like that once he was taken out. 
but he's not really responding because I think he still has friends and ties to those friends. So he doesn't really want a lot of outside help. I even have a teacher that told me about a grow up program and uh, a number I could call and all that, but he's not too interested in doing things that others are gonna help him with. He, he has his own agenda of how he's going to solve this situation, which is a problem for me because I, it's, it's unknown to me. I just know it's through his friends or whatever or some way that he, I would hope it was some way that he was going to do something on his own to succeed, but it doesn't seem like, I, I don't know if that's what's going on. And how often did you visit him when he was in prison? I visit him about once every um, two weeks. Sometimes I would go uh, once a week, but about every two weeks. And how did he respond? When he oh, he was very happy when I came because he saw, I don't think a lot of his friends came to see him. His sisters and brothers, he, well, he has one sister and, and two older brothers, and they didn't really want to go out there. I think one went once or twice, and my daughter went like once, but it wasn't something they had time for because it took like an eight-hour day to, uh, for us to get out there. It took about two hours to get there, two hours back on the train, and uh, a lot of red tape there as far as waiting on lines and waiting. And there was sometimes that I, there was one time I went there I didn't even get to see him. You know, there were times I went because um, maybe he was at court or so, or they were moving him around. And one time I they, I went all the way through the system and I didn't get to see him. I think they were punishing him for something. But they didn't. He didn't tell you about those specific. Yeah, he he knew he had done. You know, he had done something wrong or something, and they. But it, the thing is, I had waited like six hours before I found out I wasn't going to see him. But that was only once. Okay. Yeah. And what? What is he trying to achieve right now? What That's what doing? I'm worried about. He just got home on October the 18th, I would say, because it was really, it was supposed to be the 17th, but he came like three o'clock in the morning. And um, so far, we, yesterday we went to get his, um, his non-driver's license at the Department of Motor Vehicles. And other than that, he doesn't seem like, he said he's going to get a job and he's going to do things, but it's, it's like secretive. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but all the things that I've offered for him, he ha he's not responding. Like I told you, he didn't even want to come back here. He only wants to come here to get his ID. But he, all the nice programs that, that Mr. Nicholas showed him, he doesn't seem to have much interest in. And whenever people reach out to me, like, I was telling you about his teacher from school. He doesn't want the programs and things that I know of or that I try to find, so I can't really help him in that way because he's not responding to help. And um, did you did your view of the justice system change after you experienced it? Well, I didn't know much about prison at all. Uh, but what I, the system that really, um, let's see, I, I just think it's a bad thing that they didn't catch it in the, uh, in the school system because he was deaf in the ear and he ended up in special education where he met up with, you know, bad association and it got him in a lot of trouble. I think who could have helped me, I think if he hadn't had the terrible, um, 
I think really what affected him was daycare. If he hadn't had such a bad experience with daycare and if we had known what to do then, some type of, if we had known he would death, death or what we could have done for him then, I think that's where, where we could have really made a difference in his life. And what have you learned from this experience? Learned in what sense? In a general sense, like how, you know, if you have deepened your understanding on something. Well, I realize one thing, you have to treat each one of your children differently because they're all very, very different. And um, he needed... I mean, he had a lot of support because he had early intervention. He had uh, occupational therapists, physical therapists, a speech therapist even came to him because of his hearing. And uh, I did what I could for him. And that way he went through a lot of um, ther therapy cycles. I took him to uh, therapists. You know, when I found out he was having some trouble in school, he went to the uh, right down 7th Avenue was the Brooklyn Center for Psychotherapy. And he went with, he was supposed to go later with Joshua Levitt. He was taking intense therapy at one time. Um, and that didn't seem to help him. That was, I guess, a little late. I, I, don't, I don't know, but it did, they, they didn't find anything wrong with him. That's what it is. They, um, they sort of blamed it on me that I was a little lenient towards him and that that's why, you know, if I had set more limits that maybe he wouldn't have been so aggressive, but uh, I didn't really, I, I really am not sure exactly what would have helped him more. And is there any anecdote that you would like to share, like a specific anecdote of, of the situation, the, your experience with the justice system? With the justice system. Okay, well, I, they sent him home. Um, there wasn't much notice, but I was very happy when they did send him home, but two years was a long time. Um, I think for him, rather than being in prison, maybe there was some other type of, you know, I would place, like if they had a reform school or something, that might have been a little better for him. I, I don't really know. How, I don't, how do you ambition a, a better way of treating someone like your son in the system? Okay, I think instead of putting him in, in, uh, in special ed classes, if they had, um, I'm not really sure. I have to think about that. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but you said, you said instead of going to prison, if there were other ways to guide him or give him more tools. Well, I was very appreciative that they took him into a group home. I had to go through a lot of red tape to get to that, but that kept him off the streets because he would not come home and the cops would bring him home and things like that, and they would be very nice to him. They would bring him bring him home with McDonald's and stuff like that because he, he was little. He was a little, he, he was short, in, in other words. But, um, How old was he like then? He was about 13, he, 13, 14. Well, actually, he went to the group home at, at um, 
14 because he had started a very nice high school, which gave him a lot of incentives and stuff. But he he didn't last there for about but about two about two months, and then uh, he went into uh, St. John's because he wasn't coming home and he wouldn't go to school. How do you envision your son being successful? You mean what could be done for him now? No, how, what would be the, the best way that you can, can see your son? Like, if you can envision your son, like, really being happy, mm -hmm. like, how would you see him in, like, the perfect situation? Well, I think what happened to him is he was looking so much for friendship because of not being able to hear and not being able to communicate better. I think if he had had, um, if he had, we had found friends for him, not knowing what he was going through with the uh, hearing, which I think that if we had found friends for him earlier, he wouldn't have gotten into a gang or gone that route. But uh, we didn't we didn't know, like I said, until he was eight. And by that time, he had gotten into special ed classes because of his behavior. What, what are his skills? Or what is he good at? He's very good at reading and math. Uh, you know, he's humorous. He has a lot of good qualities, but instead of using those qualities, he was looking for social outlets, and he found the wrong one and I think they're very hard to get out of once you get into something like that because one of the reasons I said they kept him well and when he was in prison he, at least he's not dead because the way he was running the streets he could have gotten he could have been murdered by now so um even though the prison isn't the best place I had even gone to places like Judge Rottenberg to try to get him there but um, he's very bright, and when I took him to places, they said, there's nothing wrong with this kid. You know, not Judge Rottenberg. They would have probably taken him, but that's out of state, and he didn't want to go there and things like that, so he ended up, you know, at St. John's. So if you can envision your uh, son 10 years from now, where would you want him to be? I would want him to get a good job and be able to support himself and um, to have a skill or a career where he could really um, take care of himself independently. And I think he would love to do that too, but with the wrong friends because when he would come home, like when he came home from um, graduating from Children's Village, people were calling him constantly. I had taken him and enrolled him in Kingsborough College and he had been accepted. But he, 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 he reneged on that, and he would just lay there on bed, and people would call him, and, and that, was, that was what went on. And I guess I kind of feel he had another choice, but to go along with whatever he had gotten into, I think he would love to, have, to get out of it, but I don't think it's that easy. Do you have an anecdote of him uh, doing something that you appreciated? Do I have a anecdote, like a story, or do you remember something like a memory of him being a great son? Or oh yes, he he did very well in school. Um, you know, when he would go, he even had started over this high school over here, uh, Global Studies, 
But then people started beating him up when he first came from, that was when he first came to St. John's. People started beating him up, and the Legal Aid Society came, and they said, get him out of here because, you know, so that's how he got into children, you know, to Children's Village, and they took him back, you know, so, because he wasn't safe in the neighborhood. People had threatened, somebody had threatened to throw him off the roof and things like that, so. Is that because of gang related? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And um, is there any like, 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 what is your hopeful? You know, if you have a a hopeful idea of. Yeah, I had wanted him to go to another state and try to start all over again, but he doesn't really. He said he said he doesn't want to leave. And plus, I don't really have relatives. Um, we have a very small family because I was an only child. I don't really have any place to send him, but I wish that he could go somewhere uh, brand new and start all over again. And I know that way he would be successful if he would if he would stick with it. But I was taking him to one therapist that said wherever he goes, he would find the bad group and go with. Because I also had him in St. Vincent's. Um, he was seeing a Joshua Levitt there who was, you know, he gave a, gave therapy for the family, for me and him, because that was before he left home. And um, so I think. From now on, how else are you going to, like, support him? Support him? Uh, well, there's not much I can do. I can give him things physically, you know, support him. He lives with me, so for food, shelter, and clothing, I can do that. But I can't really, you can't really make somebody uh, do for themselves if they have other ideas for themselves. So, and that, that worries me because I wonder what that means for me and the rest of my family, you know, as far as... Yeah. What is the relationship with his other siblings? Well, he's the youngest one. Uh, they help him out. Like my, my son brought him new sneakers when he came home. I think he gave him money to go to get his, um, his, uh, his ID from the motor vehicles. So, and his older sister invited him over to her apartment, you know, and they, they love him very much. She comes and talks with him. We all talk with him, but... Um, you know, uh, we're, I guess his friends have a bigger pull than, than we do, seems. What, what are his successes? Well, he's finished, he finished high school, which is, I think, a milestone for him because children that have been in group homes and all over and not and running here and there, um, a lot of them don't get a chance to finish high school, so he did do that. When he came home, he played Scrabble with me. You know, he's one of the few of my, one of the children that has the most, um, well, they care enough to play a game like that. You know, they have the, t he spends the time, he has the perseverance to go ahead and do things, and he's very good at that. And, you know, he, he, he has, some, we have some very good memories, trips and things we've gone on, and, and done, and he, he remembers all those things, 
it's amazing how some of the things way back I don't even remember, but he remembers them. And he knows he's loved and he knows that he knows about the good we see. I think a lot of the good I see in him, the only negativity is the, the associations, the friends that he's coming into over the years. Do you ever talk to his friends? Only on the phone. He brought one home once before, just before he got imprisoned. But no, he doesn't usually bring them home. He doesn't bring. Mm -mm. Okay. Mm. Is there anything else you would like to say to close? Um, I think he's trying to get. I mean, he he likes to go shopping and get nice things to wear and. You know, I, I I hope he'll get himself together. I'm hopeful of that somehow. I You know, I pray and I tell him to do the same and I'm just hoping that something come, he'll get some kind of protection and make out well with this. And if you can, if you could give an advice to another woman, mother who's going through the same, what would you tell them? Well, a person told me once, this is a person in my place of worship, she has, we go, the um, congregation we were at didn't have a lot of children, so she said it's going to be your job to find friends for him. Um, I didn't, I didn't do that. I don't know if I could have done that, but it's a good thing when you have, I know some people have play dates and things like that. I think you have to find some friends because uh, children like to be socially accepted and if, and if somebody in this situation, if, they could, if, I, if I could have found proper friends for him and um, he might have had a different outcome or in, a diff or in a different environment. But the school environment he was in, and it wasn't good. The, the association and the special ed classes that he was in, I think that's how, what really got him in trouble because he was at home you know, at home, he didn't get in trouble, but when he got in school, he met people that got him, you know, into whatever he got into.